A quick note before we dive into this episode of Gaming Street Irregulars. Throughout this episode, we would refer to professional wrestling as scripted, predetermined, and other such euphemisms, but we are not going to be dropping the ultimate F-bomb in the business. That, F, that word being fake. Rest assured, even though the results are predetermined, the risks pro wrestlers take are very, very real, and we at Gaming Street Irregulars have a great deal of respect for the men and women who put their bodies on the line night in and night out to entertain fans. On, on a similar note, as they say in, just, in front of just about every wrestling broadcast these days, don't try this at home. Good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time of day it is. Welcome to Gaming Street Regulars. My name is James Irish. I am your promoter for the evening. With me, as always, is Commissioner Chrissy Harding. Hello! <laughs> and we have a special guest ring announcer in the building tonight. <music> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... My longest sustained friendship, period, Mr. Justin Toner. Hey. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank no you problem. for joining us. And as you probably surmised from that introduction, we are talking about the overlap between video games and professional wrestling, be it at games based on pro wrestling, game characters inspiring wrestlers, to whatever odd it's and ends pop up in between. and But to get started, uh, the three of us actually had our fandom experiences in pro wrestling roughly around the same time, the, starting in roughly the, the mid to late 80s. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. what, what are you, what's your first memory of watching wrestling as a whole, uh, Chrissy? I remember... Um... Her name, uh, one of the friends on my street, uh, her name was Paige, her name was Paige, and um, she, we went, went over one day to pick her up to, you know, kind of be like, come on, play, and we actually sat and we were watching wrestling. Um, just kind of was like, what's this? Like, because I had never really seen it before, because if it wasn't, I was of the age there, if it wasn't cartoons, it was, you know, not interesting. And then I went home and I told my dad about it, and then my dad and I would sometimes watch it together. Um, my dad, while he was a hardcore wrestler fan, we both did get very much into Hacksaw Jim Duggan. So when he came to Flower City <laughs> Comic Con, the last time we had an in-person con, um, I actually went up and I did get a picture with uh, Jim. And I told him the story about my dad. And I, I was just so emotional. So, um, But yeah, I was definitely a Hacksaw fan. I wrote when um, Hulk Hogan got injured in the ring. I was one of the many, many, many people who sent him get well cards, <laughs> hand-drawn get well cards, um, and a bookmark because it was. I made a bookmark for him. I was like, here, you could use this Some little <laughs> like flappy piece of paper bookmark. Um, but I was like, here, so you can use this while you're reading as you get better type 
type thing. So uh, it followed up with me all the way up until college. Um, in college, we did have our own kind of fake wrestling group at uh, Niagara um, that I was a part of. Um, and I did learn how to do some of the moves. Um, apparently, I could do a very mean bulldog if I wanted to. Um, it just, you know, and then unfortunately, once I became a teacher, I, it kind of got hard to keep up with it because I couldn't really watch it when I'm trying to grade papers. It's not exactly conducive when you go to grade papers, then you're jump up screaming because your guy wins and papers go flying everywhere. So how about you, Justin? What was your first memory? Um, I don't exactly remember exactly like the, the absolute first show, but um, I started catching um, WWF's uh, shows on the weekends um, in... Uh, in the late 80s, specifically like around 1986, early 1987. And it kind of like drew me in just the, um, the larger in life characters and, you know, like the athletics in the ring. It's like, it really like drew me in right away. And of course, you know, Hulk Hogan being who he was immediately gravitated toward him. And it's like, uh, I was a Hulkamaniac for many years. Uh, I thought he was the best. And, um, I remember watching WrestleMania three uh, at my uncle's house. He had ordered the pay per view, and so my dad and I and a bunch of other people were there watching the show. And it's like that pretty much cemented my love of wrestling that still exists to this day. Just watching that show, and um, there's been ups and downs. There's been times where it's like I've struggled with certain things in the wrestling business. I've taken a break from watching stuff regularly, but I've gotten back into watching. Uh, wrestling again these la uh, last few years. I'm glad I did because it's like it's a really interesting uh, time, especially for uh, the prominence of women's wrestling now compared to what it was like 20, 30 years ago when we all started watching it. You know, it's 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 quite different. And it's also very adds a new exciting element to the business these days. So. Excellent. Uh, for me, I remember getting in around, I mean, I've, I'd seen bits and pieces of it here and there before. I'd seen the, like, the, the every once in a while, I would wind up seeing Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forgot but, about that. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was wild. But when I actually first got into the, the scripted science was around... Uh, September or October 1988, when our UHF affiliate, which I don't know if it had or had not yet become Fox at that point, started running WWF Superstars. And I remember watching that first thing, seeing uh, Akeem the African Dream and wondering, why is this very obviously white person claiming to be of African descent? Even <laughs> as a kid, there were things that jumped out yeah. to me as weird. Yeah, and and I remember seeing the introductory vignettes for Mister Perfect, Kurt Hennig, and slowly getting wrapped up into these outlandishly colorful characters. It was the closest thing you could get to a live in-person comic book, where is is what my my uncle Mike compared it to, and we. You know the, the the heroes were larger than life. The villains were conniving and cheating, and sometimes monsters that were incredibly difficult to overcome. And I, 
I think that injury angle you were talking about, Christy, that was uh, that was Earthquake when he yeah. crushed him yeah. multiple times on, on I can't I can't. It was on the Brother Love Show. Face, the, the Brother Love Show. Oh, I love you. And then we <laughs> and then we were sitting there, and and he was such a heel. He was such a heel, the brother love, brother love, where you just kind of sat there and you're like, can someone just rip apart his sh- his whole thing right now? Like, can someone just destroy the set? Like, I did not appreciate that character until years later. Um, I, I didn't pay attention to, like, 1980s televangelist kind of stuff. So it's like, as I got older, I kind of I, I got what the character was supposed to be about. It's like, I, <laughs> I thought he was just that evil, like, like, I kind of like, I was like, what is he selling about this book of love stuff? <laughs> yeah, it was like, as a kid, you're watching him, you're like, oh my God, you're annoying. Someone destroy you, please. I think my favorite memory, though, of watching wrestling was with the Ultimate Warrior. When <laughs> he went under, when he, in I, not everyone remembers this, so maybe you guys do, because you're wrestling fans, but there was the time where he went under the ring for almost like the whole show. And uh, Jimmy, what was it, Jimmy Jimmy Hart, uh, who used to be one of the managers with the mag- the megaphone. Uh, yes. The mouth of the south, baby! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and there was a point where he was like ringside. Next you know, he gets grabbed and he's yanked under the ring because they're all looking for the ultimate warrior. And then he comes crawling out and he's like in nothing but a boxer shorts and his tie, no shirt, yes. no pants, no nothing. And he's like, he's under the ring, he's under the ring. I And I remember just, I was dying <laughs> laughing as a kid because... I was like, nobody ever thought to do that before. Like, I'm like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, I, and um, it was just some of the antics back. And, and they don't do them as much now. I think they try to be more serious now, which I'm like, what? Um, in some ways, like, yes. In, in other ways, in, no. Yeah, I, I miss when it was camp. Like, part of me is like, I miss when it was campy because you could still have those serious storylines, but then you would just have like them do this most outlandish thing. Like, when they did the 24 7 hardcore belt, and yeah. poor uh, Buddy Holly, um, had Bob gotten Holly. it, Bob Holly had gotten it and couldn't yep. get a moment of peace. And it was like Shane McMahon's friends were like trying to, were so yes. desperate for a belt, they kept oh, trying the to like be. And and he couldn't like even go and like get go to sleep or anything. Like it was like it was the crazy stuff like that that you watched and you're just like it was so ridiculous, but it kind of also made sense. Like you were like, Oh my god, this is so crazy and yet I can kind of see this happening in real life type thing. Like I had to give kudos to those writers because they had to find something new to do all the time because you had to keep you kind of had to keep trying to one up yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, in improv, yeah. it's I think it's a it's a um, it's a game we called more awesome, where you're given a basic scenario and then you the sh- audience yells at you more awesome. So then you have to keep elevating what's going on in the scenario to make it more awesome. Um, and it was just like I just remember watching them. Just I would they that was my break from the day. It was just laughing my butt off at just some of the situations like. Um, Mick Foley as the commissioner, and I still think they need to bring him back as a commissioner for the WWE, just because he like in those series, like he was that interjection of crazy. <laughs> like it was just like they would come up to him and he would just be like, "Okay, 
what? Like, okay, you want to fight someone? So go for it. By the way, oh, before you do, here's your little twist of fate. <laughs> Have fun. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, that was the thing I used to love most about it. And <laughs> And I love how some of the games, they do bring some of the, like, you can tell what era a game was made in yeah. based off of what antics you could get away with in the game. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into those games after our short break. But I do want to mention, Chrissy, that if you want some of the goofiness back in pro wrestling, definitely check out All Elite Wrestling at some point. It is yeah. very much a buffet of of wrestling styles. You, you get your... You get some of the seriousness. You get a lot of silliness. And in fact, you would probably greatly appreciate a character on All Elite Wrestling that I wanted badly to bring up on the wrestling podcast we did for FC3, but we were desperately out of time. <laughs> that does happen on that game. On Thank that, you, Tony on that podcast. Thank you, Tony Schiavone. <laughs> I wanted to bring up uh, Orange Cassidy. Mm, you, yes. Yeah. If if wrestling is an art form, then Orange Cassidy is a postmodern humorist. Yes. I now have to check this out. Like my all-time favorite of any uh, wrestling persona that I ever seen is still the Hurricane Gregory Helms. Well, then you will that, like that is another Orange Cassidy because classic. his whole gim character gimmick is that he's like the ultimate slacker. Oh my god, um, I need to check this out now. Yeah. <laughs> One of his nicknames is he's the Sultan of Sloth Style. Oh put it, just, let's put it to you that way. He's one of the most unique oh uh, wrestling characters god. out there right now. And uh, the, the match in specific I recommend you finding is his match against a, a fellow named Pac, formerly known as Neville in uh, WWE whose gimmick is, well, he's a bastard. And you can just take one look at this guy's scowling face and you can and you can see why he would be called that. Yeah, not a nice guy. <laughs> so you nice have this, this serious, menacing, absolutely no-nonsense brutalizer of a cruiserweight in pack versus this guy just standing there wearing sunglasses with his hands in his pockets acting like he couldn't care less about anything going on around him. It's, oh, it is glorious contrast and shows how modern wrestling and some of the campy 80s stuff we grew up with can be combined effectively. Oh, yeah. So oh, we yeah. are going to take a short break and we are going to start talking about the conflicts of wrestling and video games right after this. pro wrestling video game we would know as we would recognize as being a wrestling video game by modern standards appeared in 1983 in arcades technos japan's tag team wrestling or big pro wrestling in japan 
what was a was basically what it said on the tin a tag team uh wrestling quote unquote simulator but rather primitive by arcade standards we know it best today for it's not that great nes version which actually introduced an altogether different pop culture icon into the world one the opposing tag team in that game was known as the strong bads the strong bads Yes, the, yes, the, which of course would spawn off the character in Homestar Runner, whose voice my throat is too scratchy right now to uh, try to imitate. Don't worry, we won't hold that against you. I'll, I'll insert an, I, I would insert an appropriate clip here, but uh, I don't want to go to that well too many times. Right. Fair enough. But what's the first wrestling game you remember playing, Justin? Um... Let's see. I do remember playing the arcade uh, Russellfest game. That 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 was one of my first memories of getting like my hands on something before I had a console. Um, but remember, is that the one that had the Royal Rumble feature in it? That or is the one that? with the Rumble. Yeah. Yeah, and I love playing like the Rumble match just because the Royal was one of my favorite um, WWE things ever, as far as like gimmick matches go. And it had a great roster of, of people in it. Um, I mean, you had Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, the Big Boss Man, Jake the Snake, Earthquake, Mr. Perfect, Sergeant Slaughter. Both uh, Demolition was in it. You know, it's like um, it was fun. Because it was like, I was like trying to figure out the moves while just like I was a chronic button masher, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you really had to mash the buttons of that game in order to be able to pull moves off and stuff. Um, I remember the hard part was being, was trying to just to tag out sometimes though in that game. But, um, that one was a lot of fun. The first one I ever owned was, uh, WWF Royal Rumble, um, which was available on, uh, the, both the SNES and the Sega Genesis. I had a Genesis. That was my first major console after the Atari because I didn't. My parents didn't let me have the the NES system. It's like the only time I got to play the NES was when I was at relatives or friends' places who had had the Nintendo. So um, that was the first one I ever owned, and that one was a lot of fun as well. It had a good roster on it too as well. Um, Got to play as Brett, Fred Hitman Hart, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, three of my all-time favorites. Macho Man was on there. Razor Ramon. Um, trying to so let me check here. Look at the list. Oh, okay, yeah, Crush and uh, Lex Luger was on there. Um, what's interesting is that each version had um, this had a core group, but then there was a couple different ones depending on which one you had, like. There was a couple different wrestlers available on the uh, S the SNES version versus the Genesis version. Yeah, like the version the you had uh, uh, removed Ric Flair, Mr. Perfect, Ted DiBiase, Yokozuna, and Tatanka. There's a gimmick that hasn't aged well. With <laughs> and and put in their place IRS, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, mm -hmm. Rick Martel, Papa Shango. Another gimmick that hasn't necessarily aged that well. No, and surprisingly, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. 
Hogan was Genesis exclusive for that game. Yeah. Yeah, so it had a lot of people that I liked on there. And um, I remember liking that one a lot. It had, um, you know, I mean, you only had so much, like, match styles. I mean, it's like, you know, you had one-on-one tag match. Um, you could do tournaments. It had the, it had a, the, you could do the rumble match. Um, it was just fun just, I was trying to, like, be like, okay, I'm going to be this wrestler today. I'm going to see if I can win kind of thing. And, um. It, it definitely was a lot of fun. I mean, the, today you would look at the game kind of limited compared to wrestling games that would come within the, like the by the end of the decade um, into the into the two thousands. But for the time, it definitely um, kept my interest. It was the one I played a lot. Okay, Chrissy, what what's the first wrestling game you remember owning, if any? Um, I didn't own any, but we used to trade on my street because we all had NESs. So we all used to trade games in between each other. And I do remember playing WrestleMania on the NES. Um, okay. And there was, and this one was the only thing about this game was if you played Andre the Giant, you could play Andre the Giant. The only character in this game that could ever body slam Andre the Giant was Hulk Hogan. No right. other character could. Um, and the couple of the characters in this one was obviously Hulk Hogan because it's the 80s and it's WWF. Right. Andre the Giant, Macho Man Randy Savage, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, Bam Bam Bigelow, which I did not hear in the other game, and Honky Tonk Man. So anyone who was an Elvis fan, you either loved that guy or you hated that guy. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. that's, that's Bam actually Bam the first was not... I remember. Yeah, sorry. Just, Bam Bam was not around by the time the, the Royal Rumble and like WrestleFest was. Yeah, I think was, he kind of, I was don't not, know if he retired or if he just lost favor. Like, it was one or the What other. happened, what actually happened was he had left the company in 1988, right while that game, while WrestleMania was in development. So when that game came out, he wasn't even still with the company. And this would mm-hmm. be something that would happen over and over and over with wrestling games where they're working on a product and suddenly a wrestler leaves the promotion that, that the game is based on and it's too late in the development cycle to replace them. So they just keep them in. Well, yeah, because a lot of times, too, is that back then you wouldn't like, but the thing is a wrestler could leave the company, but because they weren't on every show that was shown, like you could go two or three weeks without seeing Bam Bam Bigelow on TV and you wouldn't think anything of it. So I'm sure by the time he left the company, like people really didn't notice he was gone because there was a while there where like, you know, it isn't like um, how some of the shows are today where each show has its own cast of characters and almost all of them are on wrestling there was Mm -hmm. times where you could watch a show and you know you didn't see hulk hogan every you know monday night or saturday or sunday like they they had time off where they could go and do other things or you know they just they just weren't in the cycle so i mean i'm pretty sure back then yeah bam bam bigelow may have led wwf but probably by the time the game came out people were just like oh he's on vacation or oh (laughs) they probably didn't really notice because you weren't used to seeing him all the time and that was kind of the draw of watching it because you wanted to try to watch it to catch your character or that wrestler you like on the show 
So like you would try to, but you know, you weren't let down if your character didn't show up. So I think back then they could get away with it more than they could now. Like, I'm yeah. trying, like, you know, you couldn't, like, if you had a game coming out because they're constantly, you know, you know, we all know the lineup for, we all used to know the lineup for SmackDown. We knew what wrestlers were on SmackDown versus what wrestlers were on Raw. Um, because you knew what, because they were constantly on all the time. <laughs> like, you were just like, they were constantly on. So if, let's say, um, you know, I'll use Hunter Hurstelmsley. You know, Triple H, if he suddenly left the company, you knew he left the company because if he suddenly wasn't on Monday Night Raw, you're like, where? where's Triple H? Like, he's always on and then he's gone. Um, you know, and I think I think they, got, they could get away with that character disappearing or leaving the company and keeping them in a game versus I don't think they could really pull it off now. Because mm-hmm. um, we're too, plus, you know, we have the Internet. We know when yeah. the company. <laughs> Although I should mention, as recently as the most recent uh, WWE game on uh, that that's appeared on on consoles, whose name is flying out of my head right now. I'm gonna pull it up really quick. But uh... what is the latest game, anyways? Uh, Battlegrounds. Battlegrounds. Okay. Battlegrounds for WWE. But as recently as that. That, that game had included uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, now Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, who uh, with Impact Wrestling, but well, af- met several months after they had left, I guess they had signed an agreement to allow them to stay in the game. Mm-hmm. So, but so it is less common, but it's it yeah. still does occur every now and oh, again. Yeah. But back to that, that WrestleMania game uh, for the NES in 1989. I don't the limitations that, that were blatantly apparent for, from the get-go. You couldn't even execute a suplex in that game half the time. Oh mm. no, you had to like the hint the hit the hit detection in that game compared to what we have now stinked. <laughs> Not just that, but just the depth of the move list. Andre the Giant was especially limited, which actually sadly mirrored the reality of the the state of his body at that point in his career. Yeah. I mean, it was, but I think, but I think it was one of the first wrestling, like pro wrestling, which was the, actually was, as you said, James was one of the first, um, they were kind this game here, like they used to have icons that could drop in the ring. And depending on what character you had, you could pick up what icon. Um, and they were unique to East wrestler and, and you had to pick up your icon. You couldn't pick up another wrestler's icon. And it was kind of right. like, kind of like the, you know, when you're playing a platformer game and suddenly you see, you know, the health box or the, or, you know, the mushroom. And it was like, they were trying to incorporate like an element of that kind of gameplay into the game. I don't know if that, really translated over to other games um wrestling games and i like most fighting games i'm a button masher i i'm not exactly good at them i will sit there and smash buttons until it does what i think i wanted to do not necessarily what i actually wanted to do but what i think i wanted it to do 
Um, so I don't know if that element continued on in, in other games. I definitely know not in more recent games. When you have a wrestling game, there is no um, mid-game health power-up. <laughs> your uh-huh, your right. health is your health, um, which is true for real life. But I wasn't—I don't know if that ever popped up in like the Super WrestleMania games for the any for the SNES or or Sega. Um, but I know that there was an interesting element with that game was like you would be in the middle of wrestling and if you're playing Hulk Hogan, suddenly this crucifix would drop into the ring. And if you collected it, your health went back up. I think um, Honky Tonk Man's was like guitar. I don't know what the other guys were. I usually end up playing as either Hulk Hogan um, or as Macho Man Randy Savage. Mm-hmm. Those are okay. my two. Now, one last thing about that game I want to mention it was published by LJN or Acclaim, rather. Yeah, you know they were interchangeable at a, to a certain degree, both in terms of ownership and uh, quality of games on average. But uh, do you know who actually developed the game? I think it was Rare. Yes, believe mm. it or not, Rare, the company we hold up as one of these bastions of deep quality, had kind of a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde aspect to them. The Mr. Hyde side being quick, cheap things they would do just to keep the lights on so they could keep working on their passion projects. And WrestleMania was very much one of those games. Yeah. Well, you know, and the thing is, too, is I think all developers have that to them. You have the side of them that is these amazing, deep quality, great music, graphic story, games. And then you got the cheap shit. I think I think all of them do that. Konami does that. Um, Nintendo does that. You know, so I, I can't get as upset with Rare for being it. Um, really, all developers in some way, shape, or form, they do need to have some sort of linchpin that keeps the lights on. <laughs> they have to have some project that, okay, this is cheap, easy, and we can get people to buy it. Awesome. We'll take the money from that and put it towards this. So I can't get too upset with them on that um yeah <laughs> yeah they did um the royal rumble for uh sega genesis and, and snes they did a, they did a lot of the um wwf wrestling games back in the day didn't they yeah okay it's it, i guess that's a true to a point chrissy but at the same time when when cheap becomes the main thing you put out like it would for ljn and for a very large portion of Acclaim software in the 80s and 90s, and th- there's a reason why Acclaim is referred to as Acclaim. <laughs> I didn't say every developer had good passion projects. I just say that they do. Acclaim is, Acclaim is you know, but the thing is, though, is, you know, we may we may get upset with them. We may say, oh, my God, they made out such, such evil and bad and crappy games. Guess what? We're still talking about them. So I think they kind of won that fight. It's not like um, other studios where they put out bad games that we don't remember who they are because that's how bad the game was. Like the fact that we're st- still talking about Acclaim, and I'm sure any gamer you put up Acclaim's icon, they'll know exactly. It's they'll know it's a company that made video yeah. games. You know. That product remembrance, you know, it's like they say, you know, there's no such thing as there's no such thing as bad publicity. 
you you're you know who I am you know how you know my you know you know me on site awesome then I've done my job and I can keep making games because you recognize us and you're still going to buy that game to find out if it's truly as bad as we, as everyone says it is. Or you'll just rent it and they'll never get, and that'll be it. Yeah. But still someone had to buy that game. Yeah. Well, what was the first one that you ever had to buy it? What was your first one, James? Yeah. What was yours? We already talked about it. Ah. Pro wrestling. WrestleMania. Oh, oh, WrestleMania. Oh, the same one as me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did you ever play the um, uh, Rage in a Cage for the Sega CD? I only wish because I, I did not own a Genesis growing up, let alone a Sega CD. Yeah. But, uh, but I remember that having the single largest roster of a wrestling game I had ever seen. I wasn't much. interested in the full motion video stuff. I was just interested in playing the big boss man on the Royal Rumble gameplay engine. Yeah, me I too. I love the fact that they had Howard Finkel doing the uh, introductions and the rants between the matches. Like, yeah, it had 20 wrestlers on it. Um, it would only be surpassed by um, WWF Attitude like six years later. But 20 yeah. wrestlers. And I'm looking at like... This is this is wow. This is how yeah, it, into wrestling I was. Raging like, the I Cage reckon- had a, quite the roster for the time. It's and uh, yeah. But the funny thing is, is that um, I only ever played it because a uh, a friend. Um, I can't remember if it was a friend or a cousin had it on that because I didn't. I never had the Sega CD system either. But um, I, I got to play it a couple times. The the interesting thing about it is that it had like several like tag teams in it. You know, it's like. Yeah, he had both members of the Head Shrinkers and the Nasty Boys and um, Money Incorporated. Million Dollar Man and IRS were in there as Money Incorporated. But there was no tag team mode in the game. Yes! Like, how do you have tag teams in there but not have a tag team mode? There was no tag team mode. It was all one-on-one matches. I believe this would be the only game the Head Shrinkers would appear in. Fatu would appear in other games, just under his more well-known gimmick. Yeah, As Rikishi. Mm-hmm. But um, that was the first time you could play like a like a cage match mode. It didn't have a rumble mode. Its its big feature was being able to do a steel cage match. It it also did have like basically um, what you would consider like a no holds barred. Uh, it was called a brawl match where there was no ref, no count out, no disqualification. You just beat the other guy until he he couldn't he couldn't continue. Yeah, I believe that mode was in uh, the other Royal Rumble games. I think you might be right. Probably was. I seem to remember doing that. And I'm it was the big blue cage find... too. <laughs> I've, the I've big got blue a book here cage. on hand. Yeah. Uh, rest, uh, Wrestling with Pixels from Hardcore Gaming 101, which was current up to about February of 2020. And I'm just trying to see if there was any games that, pre- that preceded uh, Rage in the Cage to have a cage match, and if there was, it was probably a Japanese exclusive. Yeah. Oh, wait. Wait. There was a... There was one just before it in the U.S. on the NES and the Sega Master System and Game Gear. Uh, yeah, WWF Steel Cage Wrestling. Challenge. Yeah, Steel Cage Challenge. Okay, I never... I never yeah. Oh, I'm... I never played that. 
So yeah, Ooh, so the graphics. Ooh, <laughs> I just saw a picture of the graphics. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes! Don't yeah, that was a graphics. rough one. Don't look at the graphics. Oh, you looked at the graphics. Yeah, that one there had Roddy Roddy Piper. Oh, do you guys remember this one? The Mountie. Remember the Mountie? Yes, of course. Oh, yes. Jacques Rougeau. After yes. uh, Ray Rougeau retired, he had to get repackaged, and they decided to make him a villainous Royal Canadian Mounted Officer. Now, didn't he also... Now, didn't they, at some point in time... Uh, didn't he eventually turn into... They went for a pirate-themed character, too, with him? That That's that was there's a there's a story here. Oh, I can't wait to hear so, the story. Sorry, so what happened was Canada got pissed at their Fair police enough. officers being portrayed as villainous, conniving people who would electrocute their opponents. So eventually, uh, they just they repackaged him ever so slightly. They kept the same theme music, they kept the outfits, but they gave him a tag team partner named uh, Pierre. And they called themselves the Quebecers, and instead of their theme song proclaiming "We're the I'm the Mountie," it was "We're not the Mounties." <laughs> it yeah. was a very lazy change. Very sounded like something they had to do real quick. Of the "You will change this now, or we are going to sue you." And I'm pretty sure Vince McMahon realized having full country sue you was probably not in his best interest, especially since wasn't it possibly that year they were supposed to do one of the pay-per-view matches in Toronto? Potentially, but also this was around the same time as the infamous steroid trials <gasps> that put Vince McMahon in front of the Senate. Oh yeah. So, oh my God, so he did not want to incur another international Country. country's wrath. So, the Remember, Quebec ladies and gentlemen, don't mess with you. Can, don't mess with Canada, especially. You can mess with Canada, just don't mess with their Mounties. A, a, a more appropriate way to put it, as Red Green said, do not mistake Canada's politeness for weakness. True. Just because they're nice doesn't mean they're weak. So the Quebecers would muddle around. I think they won the tag belts at least once, and uh, eventually. Jacques Rougeau would leave the company, leaving Pierre on his own. And he was the one who got repackaged as a pirate. Oh, it's like the it was the descendant of Jean-Pierre Lafitte, who yes. actually helped deform uh, who was actually a who was an actual um historical character who did help defend New Orleans in the Battle of New Orleans because World War uh War of 1812 had ended, but no one kinda had told anybody it ended. So then there was the fight of New Orleans, which took place after the end of War of 1812. Tangent hashtag. Yep, I know. I just got it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I got to use some of my historical knowledge. And this is probably the most the Quebecers have been discussed on a video game podcast. <laughs> Send us now, money. Um, we, we just promoted you. <laughs> and uh, Pierre Carlet is still active. He's oh, still really? wrestling. Yeah, he's still wrestling. In Ring of Honor. Yeah. And he's still doing good stuff, too. Apparently. Yeah. Listen, you... listen, if Tom Brady can still be considered the greatest of all time in football at the age that he is, I'm not surprised. There are, there are some wrestlers today that have been wrestling for quite a while, and then they're like 40s or approaching 50 who can still really go in the ring. Well, uh, 
like AJ Styles is like in his like early forties. He's been wrestling for like over twenty years. Yeah, and he's still he's still really good. Um, Bobby Lashley, Dustin who just won the WWE Championship, he's forty three, and he's like a he's jacked to the bone and uh, still a really good wrestler. And Dustin Rhodes, uh, the eldest son of Dusty Rhodes, he's at least 49, if not older now, and he's wrestling better than he ever has. Yeah. The yeah. man has well, somehow found out youth. Yeah. Well, he's also now able to actually, you know, um, wrestle the way he, he wants to wrestle. Um, he's 51, actually. Mm. Um, but, you know, I mean, like, he's he's actually, because for a very, poor Dustin, for a very long time, um, he was he was very much under the thumb of uh, WWF and now WWE. I remember when he first came out as Gold Dust, and it took me forever to realize that he was Dusty Rhodes' son. Yeah. Um, you couldn't recognize the guy if you weren't a hardcore dirt sheet subscribing fan, or had a well, long enough memory to remember his brief run in uh, WWF as Dustin Rhodes when his father was shooting with the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. And it's like, mm -hmm. the his, his first major wrestling match was at Royal Rumble 1991, if I remember right, when yeah. the Rhodes took on DiBiase and uh, his bodyguard slash manservant Virgil. Another gimmick that has not aged well. No. And, and that, was, that was after that match that Virgil finally turned on DiBiase and, and uh, left him. For those of you playing at home, every time I say a gimmick that has not aged well, take a drink. <laughs> but um, as far as like, the games go, I didn't... It's like that was the major one I had for a long time. I didn't really get to really own or play anything until... Um, the turn of the century when one of the, <laughs> as a, one of the greatest wrestling games ever made was bestowed upon us. WDF no mercy for the Nintendo 64. Oh my yes. God. That, that, that game was still, a revelation. That game is still tossed around today as one of the best of all time, which says a lot about how well that gameplay engine is aged. And I'll be perfectly honest. I've very rarely played it. I've watched people play it. Um, I think it, you know, and then it, it, it is very, very awesome to watch people play it. Because, I mean, it was one of the better, it was really one of the better made games um, that came out, actually, at that time. Oh, yeah. It ushered in a whole new era for wrestling games because um, it was a combination. It had a great roster of of who was available at the time, um, match modes, I mean, you could do the let, you could do a ladder match, you know, it's like, you know, it's like you could do, it's like you had so much game mode options, and the, the way the system worked, where you were, could work a body part on another person's wrestler, like, 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 like they do, like, in the ring, like, added, like, like a whole wonderful level of flavor to being, um, making it really feel like you're actually, like, doing, like, what they do in real life in the video game. Um, and the graphics were really nice at the time. Um, it's like, 
I knew someone in college who had it. Um, and it's like, we played the hell out of that game. I wish I had owned a copy myself, but I took every opportunity to play the hell out of that game when I could. Um, it was amazing. I love the, I'm reading, as I'm reading, like, one of the faults that people had with it was they were like, well, the storyline could be deeper. And part of me sitting here as I'm reading that, as I was reading that, are not as, not as good as WWF writing. And I'm like, you guys understand that this is a wrestling game? This is not Final Fantasy. <laughs> well, yeah. at the time, WWF storylines were starting to get more convoluted and uh, story modes were becoming more of a thing in these games. Uh, yes. No Mercy came out just as the SmackDown games were starting to pick up some steam on the PlayStation yes. format. Yeah. And, and though, Go ahead, James. And that one had a... The second one had something of a story mode, but... You know, in yeah. hindsight, it wasn't exactly that deep either. Well, but the thing is, is it's literally you are in a fighting game. Like, it's not like you're going on side quests. It's not like you're talking to characters. It's not this. You are in a fighting game. This is like I, I kind of compared a little bit to and you guys can come at me. I will allow you to be at me for this one. But it's not to me. It's like you're pretty much playing another version of Street Fighter. Close. Not, a, not not a whole hell of a lot of time to develop your character's personality, and you know I, the thing I do like about wrestling games, though, is the fact is there is some of them started having a mode where you could create your own wrestler, so you didn't have to play an already established wrestler; you can make your own character. Um, but interestingly enough, for those of you who do like No Mercy, the director of the game is actually working on a game. Um, um, Hideyuki um, Iwashita mm -hmm. is actually working on a game for All Elite Wrestling. Yes, which has yes. made people very excited. Yes. So if you really like No Mercy, cross your fingers and hope to God that he kind of brings back that magic again for the All Elite Wrestling uh, game Absolutely. that's supposed to be coming out. Um, now, regarding storylines in wrestling games, I want to bring up one of the all-time classics of that mm -hmm. of the genre in that regard: SmackDown versus Raw, two thousand and six. Yes, that, oh. that game had oh. a very deep story on the oh. SmackDown side of things. Yes, where it, it opens with then Commissioner Teddy Long getting ran over by a vehicle. Oh. Yes, yes, and. Teddy. And your player character, who, who you pick, in my instance, I picked the big show, is going around interrogating the, the wrestlers backstage, trying to find out who did it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he'd have, encounter, he'd have encounters with uh, John Cena and Rob Van Dam and get involved in a feud with them. Then later on, you'd run into The Undertaker and have to deal with him under Eddie Guerrero's control because Eddie stole the Mystic Urn. And then come the Royal Rumble, oh, it comes that. out that you, who, whoever you were playing as was the person who actually ran Teddy Long over. Yeah, you got to do the, Swerve. it was me, it was me, Austin, it was me all along moment. You got to do that now, in the game. Now, didn't, there was some controversy, though, if I remember with the game, because Eddie Guerrero passed away before it came, just before it came out. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, he just passed away before yes. it came out, and people, I think, were like a little upset with how he was um, portrayed. 
but it wasn't like him in and i remember it i'm like they're not portraying eddie guerrera as eddie guerrera the person it's his character which oh yeah and every action book in that game was what his character yeah it was it was like steel he was a consummate trickster. I mean, when he was a ba- when he was a good guy, a babyface, he was like a pro wrestling Bugs Bunny at times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a heel, oh, oh, he wrote. He didn't just use every trick of the book. He wrote new tricks. And that was mm-hmm. the thing with Eddie, with Eddie Guerrero was is, is I always looked at him, even when he was a heel, I couldn't look at him as a heel. I kind of saw him as like a trickster character in a way because. He would do what what was entertaining to him. Yes, like he wouldn't he wouldn't just be I'm doing this because I'm a bad guy. It was the okay. This sounds like this would enter. This is going to entertain me for the next five minutes. Sure, why not? Like he was very much a trickster character, in in the sense of that where he just did what entertained it, what entertained him, not what you know. Oh, this is I'm a bad guy. I have to do this. It was the. No, I don't have to do that. I can do and, it, and but it his, doesn't entertain me. <laughs> yeah, and, and he and, played him well. Yes, he did, and and the way he played that character, the the lychee and steel in, in his in the last couple years of his life, where he was like the trickster, where he was like, um, he did things that even people still borrow from today. Like for example, um, he would um, he would take a steel chair. He would toss it at his opponent and then play dead in the ring, making it look like his opponent had hit him with the steel chair to try to get him disqualified. You know, like, uh, people still pull that one out of the mothballs every once in a while. Um, one of his best was at WrestleMania when he was wrestling Kurt Angle for the title. Um, he, uh, purpose, he, he, um, he purposely pretended like he, um, his one um, leg was, uh, ankle was hurt, so that the, and Kurt Angle, who's one of his trademark submission moves, was the ankle lock. So it's like making him like act like a shark being drawn to blood in the water. But he also loosened his boot a bit. So when he went, so when Kurt Angle went to try to put the ankle lock, all he got was his boot, and and he was so distracted for a second, it allowed Eddie Guerrero to uh, package, put him in a small package and pin him in, in, to, to, re, to remain the champion. And, like, Kurt Angle, like, lost his shit after the match. The rules. Well, there's, it's there's like, nothing against him in the rules. Yep. <laughs> it's like... Within his right. Yeah. And, and, like, Kurt was, like, losing his, his shit after the match because he, because he got fooled uh, by it. And it's like... It endeared him to a lot of people that way. It's like, it was such a different type of character. Um, a lot of people, including even female wrestlers, like one of the best female wrestlers in the, in the business right now, Sasha Banks, she's in wrestling because Eddie Guerrero was her favorite wrestler. And so like, he's inspired a lot of people, you know, yeah. it's like that are in the business today. But that game with him stealing the urn uh, with the Undertaker, that felt like something he would have done. You know, in a storyline yeah, in WWE, it wasn't, it wasn't like he wouldn't have done that. It was like that—that that was something he would have pulled in the actual show, and um, that was a very recurring storyline in the in WWF WWE history. A lot of people have stolen the urn, right, James? Oh yes, 
including someone in a game I wanted to make sure I brought up because it was the impetus for this podcast, Retromania Wrestling. Finally, after decades, we have a proper sequel to WrestleFest. And since it's not affiliated with WWE or All Elite Wrestling or any of the major companies, the roster is, shall we say, eclectic. There's only two guys coming back from WrestleFest proper. Fortunately, those two guys are the Road Warriors, so that that's a, a solid start. Yeah. But it also includes some ECW stalwarts, namely Tommy Dreamer and all three members of the Blue World Order. This is actually the first <laughs> video game they're all together in that in a game. BWO. There's uh you've got National Wrestling Alliance's current champion, Nick Aldis, and one of his uh fellow countrymen from England, Zack Sabre Jr. There's Hawaii's Mr. Athletic, Jeff Cobb, one of the best suplexers going right now. All Elite Wrestling's uh, Colt Cabana, who up until just he recently joined All Elite Wrestling, was one of the most consistent independent wrestling attractions you could ask for. Memphis wrestling legend Austin Idol is present, as is uh, and National Wrestling Alliance and uh, stalwart foreign heel Nikita Koloff <laughs> and there, there's a few others uh, Brian Brian Myers and and Matt Cardona formerly known as Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder in WWF there's John Morrison but just like his his real career where he would take a new name when he would join a new company when he joined Impact he became Johnny Impact when he was with the Lucha Underground. He was Johnny Mundo. For this game, he's Johnny Retro. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so that looks like now that's cool. It looks like and, it's going to be a fun and, game. I hope, fingers crossed. And rounding out, and I'm, and, and I'm basically doing this off the top of my head. Rounding out the the roster is independent wrestling favorite Warhorse, who is who lives his life in all caps. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's shown up on AEW uh, a couple times. He's he's quite the character. Yes, I think he tweaked his knee in his match with Cody Rhodes. Yeah, otherwise yeah. I think he would have put on a, a stronger showing. But even with with a tweaked knee, he did an ex excellent top rope elbow drop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just yeah. I'm just loving loving the um, the drawings they're doing of each of the of each one of them, like the like the caricature drawings. That's mm -hmm. really kind of cool. Yeah. So, and uh, to tie it back to dreamer. the tie it back to the theft of the Undertaker's urn coming soon for that game will be somebody who did steal the urn, Mister Hughes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they even have the picture, and they have the picture of him with the urn. Yep. And this yeah, will be his great. first ever video game appearance. Yeah. And he's had a long career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, going Does back to how oh go ahead. Right. Well, going back to SmackDown versus. Going back to SmackDown vs. Raw 2006, that's one of my, um, after No Mercy, that's probably, like, my second favorite wrestling video game ever, because it introduced a lot of cool stuff, um, like the storylines, and you also had one of my favorite things, and a lot of people love, was the general manager mode, where you would become the general manager for either Raw or SmackDown, you would assemble a roster, and you're competing against the other show for ratings. So you would build the card. You would create feuds to try to get people to watch the show. And you, it was like a season mode. 
So it's like you're competing against the other show, which is controlled by the computer, to put on the best show to get more people to watch your brand versus, you know, your show versus the other show. And, or a second uh, player. Yeah. And you could do a two player, which made it even more fun. And it's so like, and you could like steal wrestlers from the other show and stuff like that. If they were like, if they ended up being happy, they didn't want to be on their show, you could be able to get them to come over to your show. And that would be a big, like, oh, look who's debuting on SmackDown this week. You know, it's like, I was, uh, I had so much fun with the general manager mode. And that mode just, still gets airtime to this day, thanks to uh, Xavier Woods' uh, mm-hmm. YouTube series, Up, Up, Down, Down, where he and Tyler Breeze frequently compete in each other. And in this, and I think they've managed to, to uh, draft a bunch of other video game fans among the WWE roster to, to, to assist them in it. I know Mia Yim is part of it, and yeah, I got to go off on this tangent. I miss watching Mia Yim wrestle. Yeah, I know. know her quote-unquote evil twin reckoning is on regularly, but it's just not the same. No, it's not the same, buddy. It's not the same. Well, you know, eventually they'll they'll get back on track with her. Hopefully. I hope so. But that game was is it's that's a reason. Yeah, there's a reason why. SmackDown vs. Raw 2006 is still popular, uh, like, you know, 15 years later. Um, it, it had a great roster for the time. You know, it's like you had the, the, all the match modes were, um, were all great choices. You know, you could, there was, it had so much. And it's like, I played the hell out of that game when I owned it, when I had the PlayStation 2. Uh, it was hard to beat that. I mean, the later ones weren't too bad, but that was like, like, because compared to how like some of the other SmackDown games were before, like um, Shut Your Mouth or um, Here Comes the Pain, which I did enjoy. I thought Here Comes the Pain was pretty good for PS2. But everything went to a whole new level when they started the SmackDown vs. Raw stuff. And um, added such neat stuff between, you know, like the storyline modes and the GM mode to really be able to give you the feel like you're running the show now. It's like you're you know you're Vince McMahon. You're running the show. How are you going to do things? So you know it's like which a lot of wrestling fans love to do. They love to be able to fantasy book. So it's like this game really gave you a really in depth way to be able to do that. Now before we wrap up, the other thing I wanted to mention is because I wanted to talk about the influence of video games in wrestling itself. You kind of have to talk about the Super Smash Brothers. Oh yes. In in the in Chikara, these player characters, Player Uno and Player Dos, their gimmick was they were supposed to be uh, kind of what the creator wrestlers would generically would look like, and the gimmick was just so silly and over the top in a company that was known for silly and over the top. I mean. Chikara once claimed their commissioner was Bob Saget. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who, if anyone actually really understood Bob Saget, like he was, he was not always the nice city, nice, funny father. I think he had he for a while, along with Alan Thicke, had like a very raunchy night show. He still does. He, yeah, he's a very raunchy comedian. People, it's like uh, even before he did Full House, that was his shtick on. Uh, it's like it's like he's a he's very raunchy 
and he still is. <laughs> so so yeah. you, if you see his other stuff. Um, if I may, I just wanted to, like an honorable mention to a non-WWE, WWF wrestling game that I played back in the day. Um, I It was the, one of the only ones I ever owned, and I really liked it, was WCW Mayhem for the PlayStation. Um, that actually was a pretty good wrestling game. For yeah, it was, it was a solid start. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. they couldn't follow it up. No, they couldn't. You know, because it was it came out like in you know in the in the final years of WCW before it went under and was bought out by Vince McMahon. Um, it had a nice roster. It had good game modes. Um, it was interesting because like it held the various factions at the time. It's like you had that. Uh, multiple uh, versus the NWO. You had the f- Horsemen, Four Horsemen. Even the West Texas Redneck faction was in the game. You know, so <laughs> um, oh, dear. I had so many of my favorites: uh, Chris Jericho, Raven, um, the He Who Will Not Shall Be Named, uh, member of the Four Horsemen. Uh, yeah. uh, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero was in it. Um, it had a good hardcore mode because of Raven. Um, and I'd forgotten this until I was like looking it up. Um, for a while they had a, a unique thing where they had a pay-per-view mode, and that um, on Nitro they would give out this code to pe- uh, fans who owned the game, and it would allow it, it would unlock stuff in the game to be able to be able to play like the pay-per-view matches for an upcoming pay-per-view. They only did it for like a couple months. But it was kind of a very interesting interactive way uh, to uh, add s- some flavor to the game, which, um, which was like pretty interesting. But it was a lot of fun for a non-WWE-WF game. Well, I want to kind of jump on that a little bit. One of my favorite non-WWE games that I did play, and it, it is completely a- has not aged well in any way, shape, or form, but those of us who remember it back in the late 90s, early 2000s, Celebrity Dutch Deathmatch. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> which I actually ended up playing on the computer because it came out on the computer, the PlayStation, PlayStation 2, and Xbox, and it came out in, like, 2003. And that was a game that I enjoyed because it was just so out there. And you know, we all have had those celebrities we just can't stand. That was yeah. your time to be able to beat the crap out of them. <laughs> And um, I think we all remember watching, I think watching the little snippets of it um, on MTV. I remember the, do you guys remember who the first Celebrity Deathmatch uh, matchup was? No, I don't know. I, I can't remember. <laughs> it was Marilyn Manson versus Hanson. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not surprised. No, and <laughs> then I also remember there was one of Prince versus the artist formerly known as Prince versus Prince Charles. Um, but I mean, but that was like the Spice Girls, I think, versus um, uh, Destiny's Child. Like they had, I mean, that was like the games that the, that was the that's what they had. Um, those were the to give you an idea the matches, and they were claymation. And I remember game, uh, Mariah Carey versus Jim Carrey. Yep. They had and to go back one. to wrestling, they even had. Uh, Vince McMahon versus Stone Cold Steve Austin with Vince and Steve voicing themselves in a death match. It was so cool. It was hilarious. Yeah. Mankind would show up too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Mick would show up. Mick Foley would would too. Um, But that, like, that was a game that you could, that it, 
no one it, it got bad reviews but i think it's because people when they were looking at it you couldn't put this is a game that's there not to win critical awards it wasn't there to to suddenly become the best game of the year it was a very tongue-in-cheek all right you guys like to beat stuff up here you go mm -hmm. <laughs> And the thing is, you could taunt the audience, and the more you taunted the audience, the faster your your meter filled up, so you can oh. actually beat the crap out of your opponent. That's so, like, cool. there was a point where you had to taunt the audience just so you could finish the match. And some of the taunts you could do were pretty interesting. <laughs> so I wanted oh, to throw yeah. that out there as a non WWE. Uh, a contender as well, along as you did with um, the WW the WCW. Well, James could probably speak more of this since he's played it more. But how do you feel about the the two K series and 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 battlegrounds that have come out in the last couple of years? You uh, the, two the, more K, I the two K series, it's decent. I mean, I think they're a little too deep into the simulation for their own good because. Remembering how to do half the things in the game is not easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just want to drop the elbow as Randy Savage, and if I can't remember, and I can't remember the if I can't remember the steps to do that, well, I'm just kind of SOL. I have to either just make do without, or mm -hmm. pause, look it up in a fact, and interrupt the flow of my gameplay. Yeah. So there. So the, I think two two Ks simulation uh, desires got a little too far ahead of themselves. Battlegrounds is decent. I wish the movesets were a little more varied, and I don't yeah. mean that in terms of control setups. I mean in terms of, okay, all these powerhouse characters have the same moves. All these speedster characters have the same moves. All these technical characters have the same moves. I'd like to see a little more diversity in regards to, you know, I mean, someone like Tyler Breeze is going to wrestle very differently from Lince Dorado. Right. But, they're both, but they're both classified as speedsters, so they're going to have the exact same moves, other than some of the trademark stuff. Which... Mm. But it, it's still it's still a lot easier to pick up and play than the 2K, than the 2K games, them, uh, the main line, although they were kind of forced into making Battlegrounds because of the reception for 2K20. <laughs> oh my god. God, what well, they they dropped the ball with uh, 2K20, then, which yeah. sucked because that that had such a great um ad campaign with uh the the commercial where where Becky Lynch literally breaks the glass ceiling uh, uh on the on the wrestling legends party where you had Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold, and so many other legendary wrestlers of the business. <laughs> It, it was it was a great like uh, advertising campaign and like the game did not live up to the hype, unfortunately. No, it sounds yeah. like it was actually so bad that it did so bad that they canceled two K twenty one. Yeah, and that's what prompted the existence of Battlegrounds. Yeah, and now, it's just because. Just, sorry, go ahead. We're obviously just scratching the surface with this subject. We have not gotten into Fire Pro Wrestling. We have not mm -hmm. gotten into a lot of the other. And influences of of wrestling on, on video games and vice versa. Like we have not gotten into wrestling adjacent games like the Metroidvania Guacamelee, mm -hmm. and there's just scads of stuff. So, 
But in the interest of time, we are going to have to call this a time limit draw. (laughs) (laughs) So we will revisit the subject at some point. Justin, will you be willing to join us again? Oh, absolutely. And by that point, we will uh, have the pan, the pandemic will be fully lifted and I'll be able to show you some of these other games, especially Guacamelee so that we can, so we can discuss those more in depth when the time comes. And I would love to be able to play Retromania. Yeah. In the meantime, we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we will have our contact information and uh, this day in gaming history. Woo! Come back. Want to support the Irregulars? Head over to www.patreon.com backslash fc3roc. We're part of the media division of Flower City Comic Con, based in Rochester, New York. We're a nonprofit group. Everything we make off of Patreon and everything else we do goes right back into putting on our future conventions and other events, from reserving the facilities to bringing in guests. If you pledge any amount, even a slim dollar, you will receive improved access to my blog entries, where every Tuesday I go over current video game news and write retrospectives on old-school arcade games, all delivered conveniently to your inbox. There's plenty of other perks and rewards, and if you don't see what you're looking for, reach out to the crew. They'll be happy to work with you. Want to get a hold of us in particular? You can email Christy directly at k-r-i-s-s-i at fc3roc.org. And me at J-A-M-E-S at F-C-3-R-O-C dot org. At the moment, we're still working out most social media matters, but we are indeed on Facebook at Gaming Street Irregulars. Chrissy and I are fairly frequently there sharing news and things we find cool. And begging, I mean asking, for your questions and answers to be used in upcoming episodes. Yeah, asking. That's the ticket. We love hearing from you all, whether you have praise, constructive criticism, or just want to share something cool and gaming-related yourselves. Also, wherever you find FC3 on social media, we're usually not too far behind, so if you reach out to them with something for us, they'll get it to us shortly. Legally speaking, all music, sound effects, voice clips, and so on are the properties of their respective owners. We make no claim to them and have no intention of profiting off of them. Please don't sue us. We have nothing you'd want. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. For this date in gaming history, I could only come up with one thing, but it's a doozy. In 1995 in Japan was the release of Chrono Trigger. Oh, that is a doozy. That's a big one. That yeah. is a big one. I'm, now, you guys are probably going to want to at me for, for this statement, but I still haven't played Chrono Trigger. Oh, you'll have to come over to my house. I actually have it on my, um, my recal box. Okay. Yeah. And, I know and, some people... Who, who would at you, but um, it's like, I never played it either. I've only watched other people play it, including um, my very good friend, um, 
and Pat Tenace, who uh, streams on Twitch, playing video games a couple times a week. Uh, she uh, Chrono Trigger is one of her favorite games of all time ever, and she like played through it on her Twitch channel um, uh, last year, and uh, so I I got to appreciate the game a bit more watching her play it because I never really played it myself. Well, it is on my playlist because I want to do an episode, especially if it means we can get us some Zelda rules back because we want because we love having her on. Oh, I think we could get her back, even if you haven't played it. Like she, well, she's just a great guest. We are going to have her back when we do Final Fantasy IX in a, a few weeks, and that, oh. that's the main reason I'm not going to be jumping into Chrono Trigger because I, I got to look out time for that game. Um, <laughs> I, I have, uh, I love the, I played many Final Fantasy games, not not a lot of the ones in the last like 15 or so years, but Final Fantasy IX is one of my favorites. I think it's one of the best Final Fantasy games. It's in like my top five. I love that so game. So all you much. Final Fantasy VII fans out there, do not at Justin. You'll have to deal with me. Because I kind of agree with him on Final Fantasy IX. Oh, I do like Seven very much. Um, <laughs> but there are others that I'm a little bit more fond of than Seven than like um, I'm a six guy. Six is good. Same with me. I love I love six very you dearly. Ever, yeah. If you ever want to watch Super Nintendo like JRPG fans go at it. Just, just sit there and just say, just tell them either six, just say six is better than Chrono Trigger or Chrono Trigger is better than six, and then just sit back and watch the chaos. Yeah, yeah, it's it will not get pretty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the other one be. I would, I would quickly mention that I were also very fond of is Final Fantasy Tactics. The characters and storylines in Final Fantasy Tactics are amazing. Um, I actually own the more updated version of it. Um, Wins a lion on my uh, as a mobile game on my phone that I play on occasion when I when I get bored. So uh, yeah. <laughs> so Justin, uh, you're contributing uh, to a YouTube channel of late. Uh, care to talk about that real quick? Um, right now uh, I may eventually like actually contribute content with where the channel's going. Well, that's up to me. But um, I serve as a moderator for a YouTube channel. Um, called the Burnett Work on YouTube. It's um, it's run by Robert Meyer Burnett. Um, he's uh, a uh, television and movie um, producer and editor. Um, he's uh, worked on various television series. Uh, and, in fact, he helped edit an upcoming uh, series that's coming to Netflix, um, Dota Dragon's Blood, the upcoming animated series that's coming to Netflix. Uh, he was the editor on that series. Um, in fact, on, on his on his YouTube show, he had uh, the creators and several members of the voice cast, um, including big names such as Yuri Lowenthal, uh, Troy Baker, uh, Laura Palmer, um, as guests on his uh, on his weekly uh, his, his show uh, to talk about the series. Um, I'm not that familiar with it, but I'm probably going to end up checking out because he worked on it. It looks pretty neat. Um, I'm not that familiar with um, the lore and stuff concerning um, that stuff, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. So, um, he talks about pop culture, geeky stuff in general, because he's that kind of guy with Star Wars, Star Trek, and other things. Um, he has a couple different shows on the channel. He talks about different subjects. There's a show where he, he talks about... Um, action figures and collecting 
stuff like that or uh, movies and things. It's a it's a really cool channel that I enjoy being a part of. It's like I help moderate a lot of the, sh the live chats for the people who watch the show live. So it's, that's not an easy job. <laughs> but um, it's uh, if you're into that kind of stuff, definitely go check the channel out on YouTube. Oh, and I do have to make a tangent announcement. This episode has now tied the Street Fighter episode for the most tangents. We're, we're at five. <laughs> you hear that, Pembroke? We've got work to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> it took long enough, but we finally tied it. Like, we didn't break yeah. it. We just tied it. <laughs> that was been Pembroke, fun. You, you and Pembroke can, can try to break in on the Strider episode. How's that? <laughs> Well, we'll also we'll also have other help for that one too. Mm. But uh, in the meantime, we're gonna call it a night for Justin Toner and Chrissy Harding. I'm James Irish uh, for Gaming Studio Regulars. Until next time, game on. Bye, everyone. Bye.